0: The transcript is available for free on our Patreon page. You can find the link in the episode's description. And make sure you stay tuned until the end to test your knowledge about the environment with a little planet quiz. And also to discover some amazing facts about our nature by hearing this week's Planet Wonder. Without further ado, let's get started with our first story.
1: And today we're going to talk about... Cleaning. Okay, it's not the most fascinating topic said like that, but believe me, there are some shocking facts regarding this activity that we end up doing on a regular basis, depending of course. Anyway, I was reading the other day about a study that revealed that household cleaning could be as harmful as smoking. The study shows that if you've been working as a cleaner or if you've done household cleaning for 20 years, you're going to have similar effects on your lungs than if you have smoked 20 cigarettes a day for that same period of time. I was pretty shocked when reading this, but at the same time, the author of the study was saying that it's not really surprising knowing what conventional household products contain.
0: Yeah, I mean, when you use a conventional household spray, for instance, you're going to spray small particles and these particles are going to stay in the air for hours after cleaning. And the problem is that they can penetrate into your lungs, cause infections and make your lungs age faster.
1: Yeah, so what it means is that while most of these products are promising to keep your living space clean and germ-free, they're also harming your health.
0: And if we look at the list of ingredients on the back of a household spray we're probably going to see a long list of complicated names that we don't even know how to pronounce. So we're putting a whole lot of things into the air that we breathe every day without really knowing what they are. And the truth is we're spraying things like phthalates or formaldehyde which are chemicals that have been linked to respiratory problems, skin irritations and even hormonal disruptions. And some studies actually suggest that if you expose yourself to these kinds of chemicals on the long term, you increase your risk of developing certain types of cancer. For example, formaldehyde is a chemical that is often used as a preservative in cleaning products, and it's been classified as a human carcinogen by the International Agency for Research on Cancer. And you've also got other chemicals like benzene and triclosan that have been associated with an increased risk of cancer.
1: And you also may have heard of VOCs. VOCs stand for Volatile Organic Compounds. Well, a lot of cleaning sprays, air fresheners or even laundry detergents release VOCs. And the problem with them is that they contribute to indoor air pollution, which is also linked to respiratory issues and an increased risk of cancer. And
0: on top of posing a risk to our health, conventional household cleaning products have a very bad impact on the environment. When we clean our homes, the products we use usually end up in our water systems and then in our lakes and rivers. So all the harmful chemicals that we talked about are not only ending up in our bodies, but also in the water and contributing to water pollution. For instance, dishwasher detergents usually contain phosphates. When phosphates end up in lakes and rivers, they can cause what is called algal blooms.
1: Algal blooms happen when you have a rapid increase of algae. And this can have very bad consequences on marine ecosystems, like oxygen depletion, which then causes the death of many aquatic animals.
0: Exactly. And producing these chemicals often means using fossil fuels and releasing toxic byproducts into the atmosphere. And most of these cleaning products come contained in plastic, which means that manufacturing and disposing of these containers contribute to greenhouse gas emissions and other forms of pollution.
1: Okay, so this is all very depressing, but the good news is that there are safer alternatives for the environment and for our health. There are more and more eco-friendly alternatives on the market. So these are products that don't contain toxic ingredients and that meet strict environmental and health standards. But of course, they're not all equal, and a lot of them are still contained in plastic. At that point, you might be thinking, well, plastic is recyclable in many countries today. But the truth is, you can only recycle plastic about two to three times. And plastic is usually made out of fossil fuels. So that's another issue. But no worries, there are other great alternatives.
0: Yeah, and although they're not available everywhere, in many countries, you have an increasing number of zero waste shops. In these shops, you can buy many things in bulk, which avoids packaging. And most often you can also find refill stations.
1: Personally, I've been doing this for a couple of years and it's been really simple. You just bring your own container or you buy one there and you fill it at the refill stations. And you can find multi-purpose cleaner, dish soap, laundry detergent or even shampoo, conditioners and more.
0: And did you know that many of the ingredients that we need for green cleaning can actually be found right in our own kitchens? For example, you can use white vinegar to remove stains, deodorise and disinfect surfaces. Baking soda is another key ingredient for your cleaning because it can tackle tough stains, neutralise odours and act as a gentle abrasive. Lemon juice, hydrogen peroxide and essential oils are also commonly used in DIY cleaning recipes. And homemade cleaning products aren't just beneficial for our health and the environment, you know. They also save a lot of money. And when we create our own things, we know exactly what we're putting into the air every day.
1: Also, to replace synthetic air fresheners, you can opt for essential oil diffusers or homemade potpourri.
0: And I'm someone who's never heard of potpourri, so what exactly is that?
1: Okay, so potpourri comes from the French pourri. so um, un pot is a jar and pourri is rotten, so it's a rotten jar which doesn't sound really nice, but actually it's the idea of um, putting dried flowers, dried plants, and then you put this into a bowl and it diffuses a really nice smell into your home. Wow, that sounds really nice. Yeah, so these kind of natural options are really easy and accessible, but it's also important to say that on top of switching for greener cleaning products, it's also important to open windows every day, even in winter. I mean, I tend to not do it in the winter, but I should because actually allowing fresh air to circulate in your home can really improve indoor air quality and reduce the buildup of uh, the VOCs we were talking about.
0: In just a moment, we're going to travel to Mozambique and tell you about a very clever strategy to prevent deforestation in the country. But before that, it's time for a new section, Planet Quiz.
1: Yes, you're going to be able to test your knowledge about the environment. And to fit with our next story, today's theme is forests. So we've got five questions for you.
0: Question number one. What do we call the upper layer of a forest? So we're talking about the upper layer that is made up of overlapping branches and leaves.
1: I know I know it's <laughs> it's a canopy. <laughs> it's a canopy. It's actually the same word in French and canopée. So I knew what that was. <laughs> so scientists actually estimate that about 60 to 90% of life in a rainforest is found in trees and many species like monkeys, birds, lizards or snakes can be found in a canopy or in canopée. Number 2. What percentage of the world's land area do forests cover? 20 30 or 40 percent
0: and the answer is it's about 30 percent question number three what do we call a grassland with an open canopy which means that the trees are widely spaced and the canopy does not close we call that a savannah unlike what we might think in many savannas the density of trees is actually higher than in forests i was actually really surprised about that i yeah didn't that imagine. seems so weird doesn't it
1: right? It's very (laughs) counterintuitive. Yes, that's the one. Number four, what's the number one cause of deforestation? It is agriculture. Agriculture accounts for over 70% of deforestation and beef production alone accounts for 41%. This is due to the fact that beef production requires converting huge amounts of forest acres into cattle pasture and soy fields to feed the animals. And our last
0: question, number five. What production is responsible for the loss of 80% of orangutans' habitats in the last 20 years? It's palm oil production. Palm oil can be found in many household and food products. Things like shampoo, toothpaste, detergent, makeup, cookies, peanut butter and much
1: more. Actually, I read that palm oil can be found in about half of supermarket products.
0: Yeah, I didn't expect it to be in so many things. And so to answer to all that demand, palm oil production has massively expanded in Borneo, which is a forest in Indonesia. The result is that global demand for palm oil has contributed to the loss of nearly half of Indonesia's forests since the 1950s. And one of the bad consequences of this massive deforestation is the destruction of many species' homes. Among them, orangutans have lost about 80% of their habitats.
1: Yeah, that's because the thing is, orangutans can only be found in rainforests in Southeast Asian islands like Borneo or Sumatra, for instance. And so conservationists warned that if things don't change rapidly, orangutans will soon be gone from this earth. Okay, all right, let's try to cheer up a bit with this next story though, um, that will hopefully bring some optimism for forests.
0: As we were saying, forests cover about 30% of the world's land area, and they're essential to our survival as they store more carbon than the entire atmosphere and they contain over 80% of the world's terrestrial biodiversity. But forests, and by the extension the survival of species, including us, are very much threatened by deforestation. Deforestation is happening all around the world, and it's one of the biggest causes of biodiversity loss and greenhouse gas emissions. Since trees are great at storing carbon, cutting them down means less carbon dioxide is removed from the atmosphere. And of course, more carbon dioxide in the atmosphere means more global warming.
1: But deforestation is often a very complex problem to solve because it involves many different stakeholders, um, from local communities to companies and even nature itself. One place where deforestation is an issue is the Gile National Park, located in the center of Mozambique. This park covers over 700,000 acres and is home to an amazing array of wildlife, including buffalo, wild beasts, elephants and waterbuck. And around the park, you've got what is called Miombo Woodlands. Miambo woodlands are dry forests that you can find in Central and Southern Africa. The problem is that they're being replaced with crop fields to grow things like cassava, a plant similar to a sweet potato. But in Mozambique, there may be hope for these forests. Conservationists are trying a strategy that benefits both nature and the local indigenous people.
0: Traditionally, at least 46 different species of wild mushrooms that grow in these forests have been harvested by locals for food and now conservationists are helping around 900 local women to collect these mushrooms from areas in the National Park and sell them in Mozambique's capital city, Maputo. Five of the mushroom species have been harvested so far. They're collected in the rainy season and then dried and transported to Maputo, which is over 2,000 kilometres or 1,200 miles away. There they are sold under the name Super Mama, and this generates an extra source of income for the women. This is a unique product in Mozambique because previously the only mushrooms you could buy were in a can and transported from Paris or China. So getting mushrooms from a more local source is a much better option in terms of food miles. And mushrooms are essential to forests. The trees and mushrooms are fundamentally linked. Often one can't grow without the other. This is due to underground root connections called mycorrhizal roots. Basically, underground fungi have extensive roots that supply the tree with extra nutrients that it needs to survive. And in return, the tree gives the fungi energy from photosynthesis.
1: Yes, because the fungi is underground, so it can't make its own energy.
0: That's right. And since the mushrooms need the forest to grow, this indirectly creates protection for the woodlands.
1: So this initiative might be key to preventing trees from being cut down. The wild mushroom harvest depends on the forest habitat to exist. So by making the sale of mushrooms commercial, it creates a strong economic reason to save the forest and keep it healthy. The community are learning that leaving the forest standing leads to a higher production of mushrooms and subsequently more income. And of course, this is not the full solution to saving the forest since mushroom harvesting is only seasonal. And the project is only in its third year, so they still need more data to monitor its success. But it's an interesting step towards shifting how we see forests economically.
0: Yeah, for sure, we can make them more valuable while they are living, rather than when they are dead and used for timber. As you know, every week we finish with a pretty amazing fact about our planet, a little planet wonder. Pearls have been prized for centuries for their shiny iridescent colours and glossy surface. But they are different from other gemstones like
1: diamonds and rubies. That's because they aren't made from geological processes in the Earth, but from an animal, the humble oyster. So why do oysters make them? Well, oysters are usually clumped shut, but sometimes small pieces can get inside their shell, for example, a bit of food that gets stuck. This aggravates the oyster's soft tissues, just like us getting some dust in our eyes or a stone in our shoe. But oysters don't have arms and hands like we do to remove that irritant, so they deal with it in another
0: way by covering it in layer after layer of a material called nacre. Eventually the layers build up and form a pearl. Nacre is in fact a form of calcium carbonite, the same stuff that makes up the outer shell of the oyster and other sea creatures too, like urchins and corals. But in the form of nacre, It has a hexagonal structure that makes it smoother and causes it to reflect visible light, which is why pearls are shiny and rainbow-coloured.
1: But not all pearls are round and white, though. They can form in many shapes and colours, including pink and green. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode. If you would like to support our work, please consider becoming one of our Patreons.
0: For as little as the price of a coffee, you can make it possible for us
1: to keep sharing positive and important stories about our planet. We run this podcast in our free time, so your support really means a lot to us. Another great way to help is to follow our podcast, share it with your close ones, or also comment on your podcast platform and leave a five-star review.
0: These seem like small things, but it really helps us gain visibility, which means more people can hear these inspiring stories. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you soon.